this is the Life and Soul podcast by me, Emma Forbes. This year has really been a year. Amidst the madness, we've all had a time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. I want to find out from some brilliant people what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. I find out whether priorities have changed, whether they've stopped striving to do everything right here, right now. So please join me for this episode of the Life and Soul podcast. I'm super excited to be joined by this amazing lady today. In fact, she's now a dame as of 2019, and rightly so. Um, She is, of course, the gorgeous Twiggy. I haven't seen you for ages, but I'm so happy to see you today. I'm so happy to see you, albeit virtually, Emma. Well, albeit virtually, and I always feel we're kind of akin because you and I have had bad back problems, and and I've seen you talk about them, and we... I, don't, I feel like last time we met, we had a bit of a bad back conversation, which people with bad backs tend to do. Well, oh, if you've got a bad back and somebody else says, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's like, yep, I know. I'm so thrilled you could join me today. I wanted to start off, first of all, with a, wow, 2020, what a year. I was so thrilled that you've done something well, you know, like me, you started your podcast in May, sort of mid-pandemic, really, I Tea did. with Twiggy. And it's so great. It's so great to have that. It's so great to have that conversation because I guess like me, you really miss that interaction with people. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, when I was, it was originally last summer in like 2019, my daughter, Carly, who's grown up, we'd gone out for a girlie's lunch with some other friends. The other friends and I were talking about the 60s and the 70s and laughing and telling stories. And at the end, Carly said to me, oh, mum, you should do a podcast. That was hysterical. And I said, well, yeah, but I don't don't really, number one, I didn't really know what they were. And number one, I didn't know how you go about doing it. Anyway, then kind of life and took over and I didn't really think about it. And I kind of mentioned it to my agent who said, oh, yeah, that's quite a good idea. Didn't really hear anything more. And then when this horrible virus hit, he was talking to a producer who said, do you think Twiggy would be interested in doing a podcast? So that's kind of how it happened. And it all came together, as you know, really quickly. Yeah, but I sometimes think those things are sort of, I think that's been the good of COVID. I'm trying to always find the good of COVID, but I think the good of COVID has been things like that because actually you're brilliant at it. It's such a great thing and people do want to hear those stories. And I, for one, can tell you that in my podcast lockdown, I have watched you more than I've ever watched before because I watched two amazing documentaries that I thought was so phenomenal where you featured so massively the great one My Generation hosted by Michael Kay. If nobody's watched it you have to watch it it's such a good. It's a good I mean I'm nothing to do with it really I'm in it because it's that generation but I love it when they do this thing where Michael goes opens the door now in this Yes. 2000 and whatever it was, 2018. And when he comes out the other side, it's 1968. It's so beautifully put together. And of course, he was so brilliant in it. And and so I love that. And then the other one I watched the other day, and I'm ashamed to say I hadn't really, I hadn't really taken that much notice of her before, but is the incredible Diane Vreeland documentary, The, um, The Eye Has to Travel, which, and I'm, I'm sort of now slightly obsessed with her and getting her well, books. I, ha- I have to admit, I knew about it because I talked to the people putting it together. I actually haven't seen the finished product. I, 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 I will now that you're mentioning it, I will. But she figured so hugely. In my, I mean, she, it was because of her that, you know, because of, uh, 
what happened to me when I was discovered, it happened in England. Yeah. And I became very famous very quickly in England, you know, as the kind of face of 66. But it was Diana Vreeland who in that era was the, the doyen of the whole fashion world. Yeah. And, you know, if she said anything was it, that was it. She's massively, comp- obviously, complimentary about she, you, but I hadn't... Yeah, she brought you to America. She brought me to America. So she, she, it was her, she, her really, that turned me global, so to speak. Yeah, but how amazing. And also, what a character. Like, she was just extraordinary. Because I guess we all watch things like Meryl Streep and The Devil Wears Prada. We've all had that sort of thing. But she was this extraordinary kind of... She was. I mean, so stylish, but had a real eye. When I met her, she frightened me to death. I'm not surprised. You've, you've seen pictures of, you know, I was this tiny little 60, well, I was just 17, very mm. kind of shy, very insecure, although that had all happened to me. You know, it was all, it was all a bit of madness. It was like... Things that I didn't know, like the fact that you had the short hair, which is the iconic, yeah. you know, it, it's everybody's reference point to short hair is, is you and that whole change. But I hadn't realised it had really just come off the back of you going to a hairdresser that had done a... Yeah. It, I didn't go in to have a haircut. I went in to have a, my hair washed and styled to do a test shoot for a woman's magazine that I don't think even exists anymore. And the, the owner of the salon, Leonard, who I'm sure you yeah. have heard of. I've heard of Ellen, yeah. He was like the opposition to Vidal Sassoon. It was Vidal Sassoon and Leonard. And I think Leonard trained under Vidal, actually. And he came in the day I was in and I was sitting there waiting for the hairdresser to, you know, style my hair. And he came over to me and he said, I want to cut your hair. Will you let me do your, my new haircut on you? And I, I didn't want my haircut. Was mod, it very long, your hair? It was about shoulder length. No yeah. And I was a mod and I had it parted in the middle and I had it, you know, very straight and little flicks at the um, front. And I thought to myself, I thought, oh, I don't, I don't want my hair cut. I love my long hair. But I was too shy to say no. So I'm very glad because I probably wouldn't be sitting in now if I hadn't have had that hair cut. Well, it's, it's so amazing. And as I say, when I watch these documentaries, it's amazing how fashion and style, it's just an ever-evolving circle, isn't it? Because yeah, we could wear all of your clothes are all back again now. When I look at my daughter who's in fashion now and she's... I mean, she uses the word retro and vintage with my clothing, which I keep saying, could you stop using the word vintage? Like I'm not that old yet, but you know, she's 24, but she'll come to me with a picture of you going, look at this coat that Twiggy was wearing. And I'm like, I know, because you could wear it all now. Did you keep, I'm desperate to know if you've got some amazing archive of things somewhere. I didn't keep much from the very early days. Like I was discovered in 66 and I made a lot of those clothes myself because I was obsessed with clothes like most teenage girls are. I was a mod, so it was very important that you had the exact right outfit. You know, it was almost like a uniform and you couldn't always buy it because in those days, you know, this is kind of, we're just about when Bieber was breaking. Yeah. Just about, but that was it. But before that, you know, when I was like 13, 14, you know, there were stores for your mum, yeah. department stores, and there were children's clothes. So I, I'd learned to sew from my mum and my sisters. We all sewed. And so I used to make them. You know, I made mini skirts and I made bell-bottom trousers. And then when my daughter was in her teens and she was at her, her upper school, this is about 20 years ago, 
they became obsessed with the 60s bell bottoms. So I made her about four pairs in different colour velvets. And then she came back and said, oh, mum, could, could, would you make some for Susan? Will you make some? And I said, hold on, I don't mind. That could be the whole other career for you. But it was an extraordinary time. And I guess, you know, during this weird, you know, history in the making of 2020, mm. we've all looked back, because I know that I've like, I've been obsessed with looking back over the, the last pandemic and going, oh, the roaring 20s came after it. There was like yeah. a moment where it all then got okay again. And then there was that 20s fashion. But the 60s has sort of just remained as this iconic era where so many people, and as I say, in those documentaries, you see the amount of talent and the creativity. And as I say, Michael Caine is, is so far, my favorite line in it is when he talks about the drugs in that era and okay. he goes well I thought about drugs and I thought if they make me better looking more successful I'll do it but I never found anybody that looked better <laughs> it's so funny because he must have been so you know it was just such an extraordinary it was such an extraordinary time I know well I every time I I mean I was I was so square I didn't drink. I did smoke cigarettes. I smoked gitan because I'd seen other models smoke them and I thought they were a bit, I mean, they're very strong. I don't know how I did it. I didn't smoke a lot, but I did. But I didn't take drugs and I didn't drink. Every time I used to go into New York for a photo session or whatever, I would get stopped at customs probably for about three or four hours. They'd search everything because all the people coming in and out of Britain, you know, were always getting caught with dope on them all. And I was so square. And when I first went to Paris to do the Paris collections, and I was 16 and a half, and it was with Bert Stern, who was absolutely divine, one of the great photographers. And we all went out to dinner before the shoot, because in those days, well, I, they probably still do, but you shot the clothes at night because they were on the catwalk during the day. So you could only get them for photography at night. So right. we went out for an early dinner and we were in this Parisian restaurant and they took our orders and then they asked people what they wanted to drink. And the waiter came up to me and said, would you like something to drink, madame? And I said, oh, could I have a Coca-Cola, please? Because I, I didn't drink. And he, he looked at me and went, what vintage, madame? <laughs> and stormed <laughs> off. He was horrified that I asked for a Coca-Cola. <laughs> I love it. And of course, you did work with all the great the truly great photographers. Yeah, I was lucky. I caught the tail end of those, I mean, Norman Parkinson, Helmut Newton, my favorite, Richard Avedon, Barry oh, Latton. Yeah. Terence Donovan. Terence Donovan. Um, yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I caught, I caught, most of them were quite elderly yeah. when I worked with them. I mean, if you look at the modeling world now, I mean, it's gone through so many, I don't know, it goes through all these sort of phases and things, but I mean, when you look back, 16 and a half is super young to do modeling, but it was a different era. But nowadays, would you would you recommend people doing it that young? Or do you think it's... I think, as far as I know, I don't think, I mean, the model agencies I know, I don't think they'll take girls now and under 16, which I think is a good... A good thing. I don't know. I mean, in my case, I'm glad it happened to me because... You know, I mean, I, I grew up in a very happy family home, but I would never, in those days, you know, somebody from my background who went to, you know, I went to a grammar school. I wasn't super bright, but I wasn't stupid. My family didn't go to university. I would never have tried to go to university or anything like that. So the chance it gave me 
I wouldn't have, I wouldn't turn the clock back and say, no, no. I shouldn't have done it. Because actually my upper education was traveling, meeting. The, I mean, when I think of the people I've worked with, the people I met, you know, I sat and had tea with Noel Coward. Yeah. I had tea with Fred Astaire, who's my hero. I was 21 years old. He was 72. And I'd gone into L.A. to promote my first film, The Boyfriend, that I was in. Yeah. And the studio said, you know, they were telling me about all the interviews I had to do and things, pro promo. And they said, is there anyone you'd like to meet in Hollywood? And I said, oh, my God, I'd love to meet Fred. Because I was obsessed with Fred Astaire. Yeah. Because all those Fred and Ginger movies. Oh, you can't beat them. They're and brilliant. they said, oh, it's difficult because he, number one, he's very reclusive. Number two, he's retired. He doesn't really socialise. And I said, oh, you know, I wouldn't intrude on his privacy, obviously. But, you know, that's who I'd like to meet. He's my hero. And then I kind of forgot about it. Went back to the hotel and the phone rang. And they, it was the studio saying... There was a woman in the office where we were having this meeting and she overheard you saying your hero was Fred Astaire and she used to work for Fred and Ginger in all those movies. She was one of their secretaries and she rang Fred and I got an invitation to his house for tea. <laughs> How incredible. Was he divine? I've always imagined that he would just be the loveliest man. The most beautiful, gorgeous, modest, gentlemanly man you know he was from that era he was a yeah. true gentleman and no I mean nobody dances like Fred Astaire but nobody walks across a room like Fred Astaire I'll never forget when he entered the room that kind of swagger and he had yeah. three trousers on with a tie around his arm and he was so cool because he couldn't believe somebody of my age loved him so much because I was 21 at the time and he was 72 <laughs> <laughs> I always think of him what's the which movie is it? But you're right, it's that swagger in the kind of the pleated trousers oh, with his hands in his pockets. Sure. Oh, my God. And I actually, I mean, he was, like, to me, the greatest dancer that, yeah. that there has ever been in that, in that world. Um, I'm not, not including ballet, obviously, because that's a different thing. But I also think he had the most beautiful singing voice because he touches yeah. your heart. You know, it's yeah. not a big voice, it's not a booming voice, but when he sings those songs... I couldn't agree with you more. I'm such I a massive it. Fred Astaire fan. I think he's a bit. And no, I guess I'm lucky. I got to meet my hero. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that was more, you know, old Hollywood, really, wasn't it? Because yeah. it's like, you know, my parents, as you know, are in that industry, and and, yeah. and when I heard their stories of that, it well, was they very must have amazing stories. Oh, incredible stories! Yeah, I mean, I actually, with you know the news of like you know, poor dear old Sean Connery dying. I spoke to my mum yesterday and I said, you know, I didn't know, did you know him well? And she went, I can't believe you don't remember that he'd come for lunch and things. I said, well, I think I must've been about six. I mean, I don't have a memory that far back. And she started telling me these stories of him. And I said, gosh, you know, all these things that I said, they seemed so normal to you to have these things happen. I said, but I don't, tragically, I don't remember a lot of them. I can remember when I, when we were living in LA for a period of time and Carly probably was about 12 and yeah. we went to lunch with lovely Roddy McDowell. Do you remember? Oh your yes, mom I remember. Your mom would remember. Yeah, she knew him. Oh, he was one of our friends. And into the room, walked Elizabeth Taylor and I nearly died because it was like, oh my God. And of course Carly sat, she had a little white fluffy dog and Carly loved the dog because she was about 10, 11 yeah. or something like that. And so they sat chatting away because she 
She didn't know who she was. So she was completely relaxed. Elizabeth Taylor thought she was divine. (laughs) And a few years later, I said to Carly, we were watching something. I think Elizabeth Taylor came on the screen and I said, do you remember meeting her? She said, no. She said, she's really famous. I said, yeah, slightly. (laughs) For her, it was just a nice older lady with a nice fluffy white dog. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And I think that was what my childhood was, is I met these extraordinary people, but I didn't really register it. You know, I was just sort of, you know, taking it all in. You didn't. I think so too. I think it's better that way. And I think that's... You know, that's why we've sort of, uh, yeah, I think that's why we've sort of all turned out the way we are, to be honest, is I think we're not like that. But I think if you yeah. can meet your heroes along the way. But I think that where modelling has, has changed is I had a, a brief moment where a modelling agency was interested in my daughter. And I guess she was about 17 at the time. And I was so staggered by how it had how it had changed from what I'd sort of remembered it, as in it was all about how many followers you had on Instagram. It was... And so I remember going in for that meeting. It makes me sound like a sort of terrifying mom manager. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I, I probably was a little bit like that because you're hugely protective of your child. But I went in and I was like, they said, but you haven't got, you need, she needs 30,000 followers. So I said, okay, how do you get 30,000 followers before you've got the job? I said, yeah. I, I sort of don't quite understand how you get. And it was, and in the end it was, it was great because actually she sat, I've never forgotten it. She sat in the waiting room and I was sort of, I didn't really quite get the whole thing anymore. And she said, I don't really want to do it. And she went and trained to do fashion design and graphic design instead. She said, I don't, it's not in me to do it. I'm too shy and I don't really want to do it. And I was like, okay, fine. Because I do think it's huge pressure now on people because I, of that social media presence. I didn't know they used it with modeling but it made sense but I, I do know they use that in the acting profession because we've got a couple of friends daughters who are young actresses and one of them was up for a big part in Hollywood and she came down to the last two yeah and the other girl got it because she a bigger had following, following. Yeah. and I think that's terrible it's weird isn't it it's a it's sort of with talent no, I mean, that's a sort of a very odd way of looking at things. I mean, I think that's really... I've but learned the... a lot about social media by doing, you know, my Tea with Twiggy podcast because I have to post about it. And, yeah. Uh, and my daughter actually helps me do it because I'm pretty crap at all that stuff. She can get the picture and put the words together and post it for me because, I mean, I can do it if I'm really pushed, but it's not my favourite. When I, I post, I have normally one of my children going, Mum, you know that in England it's like three in the morning and you've just posted a picture. Like, it's a terrible time to put up. A, I go, OK, I didn't, I didn't, re- I never know I, I all these that, you see. flow I things. I thought of sitting on my phone all day. I'd rather <laughs> stick pins in my knees. <laughs> I know. And I know, and I know that you're, I love your health regime, basically, because you're, you're health conscious, but you don't deny yourself anything. You do sort of everything in moderation. Yeah. You had a bad back, but Pilates is your key to your I bad back. I have to tell you, anyone listening with a bad back, I was, I got up one day and got into the shower. This is about six years ago. And I bent down to wash my feet and my back went out. And yeah. if you've ever had it happen. I have, yeah. Anyone out there, most people who have, have. <laughs> um, I couldn't stand up. Terrified the life out of me. My husband, luckily, Lee was at home and I screamed for him. He got and carried me out of the shower, got me on the bed. We called the doctor and the doctor said, 
because I thought it was I thought it might be my bone I didn't know what it was I'd never had anything like that happen in my life it was a a spasm in the muscles of my back because I wasn't strong enough and I suppose I think you know I did a big show on Broadway in the 80s where I tap dancing for nearly two years and I think years later you know often I mean I don't think of myself as a dancer although I can dance but I think doing a show like that you don't realize what you're putting your body through until many years later anyway I was in bed for a week it slowly got better as they said it would you know with hot pads and cold pads but then I was terrified it was going to happen again and I actually walked around with a stick for about six months because I was so frightened it was going to go out again and then as you said earlier if you meet somebody who's had a bad back that's all you talk about yeah I went to a drinks party it it was a Christmas and I had my stick and my friend said what have you done and so I told her the story of my stupid back and it was much better then but I was just so nervous yeah and this other lady came across the room and she said, sorry, I couldn't help overhearing. She said, but I had this really bad back for 30 years. She said, I tried everything. And then somebody told me about Pilates. And I had done a bit of Pilates years before, but it never really kicked in for me. And she said, there's this woman, she's in Hammersmith, which is down the road from me. And she said, I think she's brilliant. She's an ex-dancer. So I rang her, anyway, to cut a long story short, I've been going to her now for four years. Yeah. And she's, she's changed my life. It took a good year. Yeah. I do it once a week for an hour and a half. And she's built my core and she's, and, and she's taken the fear away. Well, I think part of it is that I, when I had my bad back, I remember I found this amazing physio and I got into doing sort of I do restorative yoga and Pilates sort of yeah, like a mix know, of the I, two. I, try, I can't do I think I'm too old to start restorative yoga is different it's like it's oh, okay. it's sort of more Pilates based but I remember when I first walked into the the um physio he was like you walk as if somebody's about to push you in the back yeah. like you, you yeah. I was walking so yeah. carefully and I said well I'm so frightened that yeah. something's gonna go yeah. and he was yeah, but once you get that strength it does for sure Help. Oh, she changed my she's changed my I, I say to her every week I love you Rachel you changed my she really yeah. had I've got me doing it now we do it we're doing it virtually at the moment yeah well everybody's okay, doing it I miss all the machines but, I know I know listen it you know she's given me my life back and Carly can't believe it because she used to say to me mum you know you've got to get through this you've got you got because I was like I was so taut and tight because I was so frightened it was awful no, I totally understand it. And as I say, anybody that's had a bad back, you you, you get that fear because oh. it is just... And I, the worst thing you... the theatre, I used to take a cushion with me in a bag because I had to have a cushion in my... Actually, I've just got yeah. a cushion now, but, but that's that's just because this chair's uncomfortable. And now I've been so well touched wood for, what, three years. I yeah. don't really ever think about it anymore. No. Amazing. Well, I think once you get past that and you get your strength back, and I guess, as you say, when you were in things like The Boyfriend and and you did, you know, My One and Only, all these Broadway things, you weren't a trained dancer either. So yeah, you must have yeah. probably used your body in a way that perhaps had you had like a ballet training or something exactly. like that. You then would I have... would have had the strength, you see. Yeah, yeah. I never had that, you see. When I was only in my early 30s. My poor body went probably went into shock. <laughs> 
but yeah. it was amazing that Pat you did all of that very pound you know you pound it you, i mean i love it it's fabulous tap dancing but you are pounding all yeah the time. But it was amazing that you did all of that and the singing because you've done so much singing since. And as you say, you were very shy in the beginning. So those two things sort of, you know, they don't necessarily go in, in together. But no, you it's sort funny of... when I look at old family albums, because I've got two elder sisters, the mid, my middle sister, my elder one, in our old family album, when people had photographic albums not yeah. on your computer. When I look back at those, my sisters as little girl, there's pictures of my sisters in their tap shoes and their tap outfits. None of me, because my mum took me and I just ran out crying. I wouldn't go. I wanted to go home with her. <laughs> so it's weird that I even ended up doing things like that because I was so shy. Man. It's amazing, though. It's so great because you've done <laughs> such a great array of things, really. And I was going to say now in your, you know, now the podcast is, a, is another great thing. It, if there was one job I could magic up for you, is there something that you think, well, I wish I'd done that, or I would love to still do that? Oh God, well, I'd love to do more recording because I love to sing. And, and I think singing is really good for your soul. I mean, if I'm feeling a bit low or down, again, because of the lockdown, I've got my singing teacher put some music on, on the computer for me. So I've got all my songs and I can, go in a room and just sing for half an hour. It's good for your body, it's good for your lungs, and it's really good for your head. You know, you sit and yeah. sing the songs you love. I do that too, I just don't have the voice for it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I love to do that, but I don't know if there's something, I'd love to do more of that, and I'd love to perform, you know, to act more, but you know, at the moment, the poor actor. No, do, what do you think? Badly hit, very bad. I know, and I feel, the, the thing I probably feel the most sad about is just this whole, the theatre, all those things that, um, we didn't take it for granted, because I always thought the theatre, going to the theatre in a musical, was like the greatest treat yeah. ever. I mean, I really was. I only saw Hamilton the first time last year. I was so late to that party and was somebody took me. And I was blown away. You know, I'm like lost in it. And I thought, I can't bear it to think that that won't come back. I can't, I sort of can't bear it really. I'm, well, I'm just- I mean, I think we've all got to think positively because otherwise <laughs> I do think, I mean, I think it will take a while personally. Yeah. Um, because it's such an enclosed space. But over here, I don't know about it on Broadway, but over here I was talking to Elaine Page the other day. You know, she was saying that people like Andrew Lloyd Webber are already refiguring the seating, taking yeah. things, because he owns the Palladium and various theatres, you know, working at how they can make it work on a different level. The problem is they really need to fill the seats to make their money back. Well, I was going to say, it's one thing taking out every third seat, yeah. but then, you know, it's a, it's a big problem. And as I say, I, I, it's the bit that I just think, oh, I just, I'm just sort of longing for that to come back because I always feel that that would be so. And live performances. And live performances. I mean, I think people have been so creative in lockdown and I do think there's been some incredible things where they've got that multi-screen and concerts. It's not and, the same though, is it? Yeah, but it's not the same as just literally being there. And if you there. talk to performers, they always say it's, you know. It's not I the mean, same. Like, I found a video on my phone of me going to a, like a Mariah Carey Christmas special. Oh, wow. Singing All I Want for Christmas is You with one of my best friends. And I just, and it's rammed, you know, it's like packed and it's festive and there's snow and it's so over the top. And I thought, oh my God, what I would do for that now, just to, 
just to be uplifted really it's such a it's such an uplifting thing to have well, the last live show we went to was Hugh Jackman who's a, a dear oh. mate lovely lovely unbelievably talent talk about talent oh. unbelievable but he did a one-man show at the O2 oh unbelievable I mean I love him to bits anyway, yeah. but he, his voice and, and he did thing, things from all the things, you know, from Greatest Showman and um, yeah. Les Mears and everything. And then he did a whole kind of thing about the 30s and the 40s and sang all those beautiful songs. Oh, how amazing. Oh, it was amazing. And then I thought, I was thinking about it last week and thinking, thank God he did it then. Yeah. If it had been, you know, and it was packed, the O2 was packed. We had five girls in their 20s sitting alongside us who made so much noise at one point I, I almost had to tell him to shut up <laughs> it was unbelievable because he's like a pop star yes oh people go nuts don't they? I tell you a film I was watching I've watched a lot during lockdown but in light of coming on to interview you I sat down and I said to my husband oh my god the person that would have been brilliant in this would be Twiggy was La La Land you would have been so brilliant in that. I don't know. I just thought of it and I was interviewing you and I thought, oh my God, you'd have been sensational in that. She was, I thought she was wonderful. Well, she was too, but I just thought if it had been, you know, it just, I don't know. It's, it, it must have had to have been 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been pre-Pilates. Oh, lots of Vaseline on the legs. Yeah. <laughs> no. You, well, that's the other thing is you look amazing and you describe yourself as low maintenance and... I think you, I mean, I think you are. You don't go to bed with your makeup on. Is that true? Oh, that's a rule. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, well, apart from that, it buggers up all your, she all your sheets. And yeah. Your no, it's the one thing my, my mother brought me up with. She was like, never leave an unmade bed and never go to bed with your makeup on. Yeah. Those are my teeth. And they stick with me. Yeah. She's like, you know, you can't get up and carry on the day with like an unmade bed. Make the bed and never go to bed with your makeup oh, on. I'm pretty low maintenance, I think. I mean, I, um. I've got very dry skin, so I have to moisturise. I'm obsessive about that. Otherwise, I can't move my face. <laughs> so I, I, I use a very kind of heavy face cream that I use in the morning and, and at night before I go to sleep. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't know. I just think, you know, life takes over. You know, I've got, I've got a daughter and I've got a, who's grown up and I've got a stepson who's grown up and now they've got children. You know, my daughter's two are the loves of my life. I'm completely obsessed. I was going to say, being oh. a grandmother, is oh. that just the best thing ever? Um, I, you know, one day you'll probably experience it, I hope. Yeah. I knew I'd love whatever came out of my daughter because <laughs> I love her so much. But I didn't realise it's, it's a very deep kind mm. of... It's deep inside your inner soul. She makes me laugh. She's five now, Joan. She makes me laugh more than any. And, you know, and that's the best. You know, how can well, I... Well, I was going to... Yeah, that's the best. about my looks or my pimple on my face. How can you be when you've got that? To, you no. know, and that's the thing. I think, I think so many in our profession, and I, I mean ours meaning you know, being the so-called celebrity or in modelling or in acting, you can get very caught up in that, you know, what you look like. And, and, you, yeah. know, and it's, you have to be aware of what you look like because it's part of your job, but not to cross the line into obsession because we've all met the ones that do and it's yeah. really boring. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from anything else. 
And I yeah. try and keep in shape with my Pilates. I yeah. I think I'm lucky I inherited good genes from my dad because my mum my was quite tiny, but my dad was had he was quite small bones. I think I got that from him. So I don't have a weight problem. But then on the other hand, I do eat very healthily. I'm yeah. not obsessive. I love to cook. I'm very obsessive that it's organic and it comes from the right place because I think we've got to start really looking into that to stop, you know, unfortunately that, you know, the supermarkets still sell chicken that you can get for a pound. Yeah. Which I understand if you haven't got much money, that's very tempting, but somehow they've got to balance it up. So these poor animals aren't treated the way they are. I mean, it's getting a bit better, but it's still not great. It's still not great. I mean, there's been so many, again, I've, I've gone through a whole host of documentaries over, you know, this whole period of lockdown. And I cook in the same way as you. I love cooking, but I try to make sure it's organic, locally sourced, yeah, exactly. in season and stuff like that. And I do think we need to be, it's still got a way to go, but it's definitely getting better. The one good thing that might come out of this horrible virus, you know, people are, because they can't, aren't traveling as much as, you know, the, the planet will benefit. I remember right back in March, somebody saying that, that Venice had fish in its canals for the first yeah, time. Exactly. And, like, and I watched a documentary, I forget what it was now, one of those documentaries. It was in somewhere in Thailand. And because the cruise ships weren't going in, all these amazing tropical fish yeah. coming back into the area. Well, I think, so, I think, as you say, I think it might have, I hope it has that effect. I think people being at home more, they've cooked more, they've yeah. been more aware, aware of their diet and that they've got I to eat so. well and, and, and hopefully have sort of shopped more locally because we're all aware of supporting small businesses. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, a good thing. I mean, I, you know, that one- Well, as the you problem s- will be when this is all, all over, Please, God. (laughs) Please, Um, please. Please, please. You know, whether we fall back into those old bad habits. I mean, uh, David Attenborough, who to me is... Oh, legend. He's my other hero. Yes, legend. (laughs) He's been doing lots of live broadcasts in England, you know, about saying, come on, folks, you know, this is our chance to turn it around. Because if we don't do it now, you know, our children's children's generation well, that's it because now you've got a grandchild I'm, I'm sure you kind of get it even more it's the future generations we've got to take care of and and yeah. leave them a planet that's worth living in but it's very funny when it's all taken away from you because I'm sure you led a life like a lot of people but maybe more so where you traveled all the time and yeah, you just I did all those things that one did you know I mean even things I put something on Instagram the other day when I went for a pedicure and when I say a pedicure like my first pedicure in six months. I used to go regging. It was always a treat, but I just loved it. You know, and you'd nip in and you'd yeah. you it away and all the rest of it. And now I've got a girl who got like a plastic screen in front of me. She was in a mask, goggles, a visor. And I thought, oh my God, my heart's beating. I know that sounds really stupid. My heart was beating so fast. And I was just thinking, get that gel off, get that gel off. Let's get that gel back on. Like, <laughs> let's just do this let's get in and out it's not a treat anymore it was just like oh my god and I think it it's it's made us all just become that sort of more aware of all those things that we just used to just go and do I know the upside of it I've I've gone back to knitting a lot I love knitting 
I oh, love it. So are people getting a lot of sweaters and <laughs> well, sweaters? The They're easier to knit. They're small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I can do it. It just takes longer. But I love sewing. I've got, actually, Lee bought me a new sewing machine for my birthday. Oh, that's great. Because he's your birthday. I said, I don't want any jewellery and any posh thing. I want a really nice new sewing machine. <laughs> he thought I was mad, but I love it. I love no, it. I love it. Well, I can see Twiggy's new line of knitted sweaters and clothing coming out in 2021. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Got time to do it. <laughs> well, I can't tell you how much it's been a joy chatting today. I wanted to ask you a quick, just a couple of quick questions I ask everybody at the end of this podcast. I wanted to ask you, what gives you life? Oh, well, can't you guess, being with my grandchildren, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have to say, it's it's given, given, and that was the hard, hardest thing for me in the first lockdown. I yes. didn't see them. I didn't see Carly and, and the kids or my stepson's, you know, his kids, our other grandchildren. I didn't, we didn't see them for five and a half months. That's and, you know, I've got lots of friends in the same position that they didn't see them. And especially when they're little. And my daughter had a little baby boy in February. Oh, so wow. I just got to meet him and then I went over the following week and my plan was, you know, because I, I don't have to work every day and I don't work every day. You know, you get different projects where you get busy and then, you know, so I said to Carly, you know, I'm around. I, I'm going to come and help you because I couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> let me through that door. I couldn't. I went over once and then the lockdown came and that for me, that was the hardest thing of lockdown, yeah. not being able to see them. They're the ones who give me my, me life and joy. And, and what about what feeds your soul? Beautiful music. You know, if, if you're feeling a bit low, and we've all had that in this period, yeah. you know, just putting on some music. Do you have a, a, a not, not a mantra, but do you have a sort of a saying that you like to live by or that's in the back of your mind or something you refer to? Well, I do, yeah, I do think people should be kind to each other. I've always thought that. My dad always said that to me. You know, if, you, if you're if you kind to people, it, what you give out will come back. Yeah, positive yeah. thinking, because we've all met people who, who <laughs> don't think positively. <laughs> and it can bring you down. I think you've got to be optimistic. Yeah, It's very tough at the moment. And some people, you know, I'm, I'm laughing about things but you know some people are really suffering some people have suffered some people have lost yeah. loved ones you know and I often think you know there's people living in tiny apartments with I know. two and three kids and no garden and no money I know my biggest thing throughout all that I'm, I'm with you I think kindness is free and yeah. we're all capable of it but I think that the biggest problem of this whole period of time is going to be people's mental health and anxiety after this because I just think you know if they've suffered a loss or as you say they're in a you know basement flat with no outdoor space and two cats a dog and a screaming baby it's tough as anything positivity is the only way forwards that's why you've got to keep doing tea with Twiggy I did say you know do you think it's all right to do something upbeat and they said people will like it because like yours there's so much kind of horrible things on the news. It's nice then to go into, say, it's like reading a book. I'm reading, uh, I always have a book and, you know, I read it mostly at night when I go to sleep. Actually, Leo always says, I know you've fallen asleep because he hears the book. Clonk, clonk, clonk. <laughs> the thud, the thud of the book. Yeah, I need to read more uplifting books. I suddenly bought a book <laughs> on the Spanish pandemic. Oh, and my husband no. turned around and he went, 
I'm not sure that's like a really great read at night. I was like, it's so depressing. So I swapped it for a book by Diane Keaton. I read novels. I'm read, I, do you like romantic novels? Oh, I love a romantic novel. I am reading a series now that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And there's, well, she's written six so far and there's a seventh one to come. They're called The Seven Sisters. Have you heard about it? No, I'm going to write Ooh. that down. Oh, yes. It's by Lucinda Riley. Okay. It's a man adopts six young babies over the years. And I don't want to give away the story. And each book is the story of each oh, oh, okay. child. And they're named after the seven sisters, the stars in the sky. Oh. Except there's not a seventh sister and they don't know why. So they're all trying to find out their past because they're all adopted. Oh, it's so good. I'm That's... on the Pearl sister now. I'm number four, I think. That'll be my today's Amazon purchase, thanks to you. Yes. <laughs> so start with the, the, the first one. The okay. Sisters, and then you read them all in. And I think she's writing the seventh one now, which will tell us why there isn't a seventh child. Da, 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 but apparently with the seven sister stars, you can't really see the seventh sister. So maybe that's got something to do. You'll have to Ooh. interview Lucinda Riley. I will. I'm, I'm now going to, I'm now going to, you know, finish this podcast and I'm going to get onto Amazon, order the book and I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> they're fabulous. And especially at this time in the world, yeah. they're, they're pure escapism. Well, I love your podcast. I think Thank it's brilliant. Um, I've loved chatting to you always. Oh, and it's lovely to chat to you. Give my love to your mum. Of course I will. <laughs> and love to all of your family. And I envy you with your little, with all your grandchildren. So oh, that's a, that's a great right. thing. Oh, again, I we have been seeing them a lot over the summer. We had a glorious yeah. summer in England. Twiggy, thank you so much for joining me today. I've just loved every second. And I hope we chat again soon. Yeah. And have a lovely, hopefully, family Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review. And you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.